0: Welcome to Your Brain On by Salience Learning. I'm Karen Foster. And I'm Krista Gerhard. Here's part three of my colleagues Amy Parent and Irene Boland's conversation around adaptive learning with Dr. Bob Sodelaire. part of the adaptive learning approach is to be presenting situations based on some form of input from the learner, whether it be, you know, how they performed on an earlier scenario or assessment or what kind of um, background knowledge you're bringing in. Is there anything else that you might want to elaborate around that?
1: Sure. So I think uh, goals are important, right? So understanding what the learner's goals are uh, and what the organization's goals are. If it's organizational uh, learning, right, you're going to build a program for an organization. What are their goals, right? Um, And then, you know, is there a close mesh? There should be. I, I would hope there would be close mesh if you're at a particular organization and you plan to stay there that uh, you see a relationship in terms of values between what your goals are and what the organization's goals are, and those things are closely related. So I think that's important to consider, um, motive, you know, and that it affects things like motivation and engagement, right? So, if, you know, if I don't really have any interest in learning about, uh, I don't know, 4A transforms, um, yeah. You know, I used to when I was an undergrad, right? Um, But, uh, you know, if I had no reason to learn about them, you know, having somebody get up and present a whole bunch of content about how to uh, use and apply Fourier transforms is not really going to be that exciting to me. And uh, so I think utility weighs a lot, right? Hey, is there going to be an opportunity for a learner to use the information or the skills that they develop. This is part of the, I think, frustration with some of the, you know, the current educational system is, you know, uh, some learners want to be very focused. Hey, I'm an engineer. I want to learn about engineering principles, you know, and you're sending me to a course on humanities, you know, (laughs) <laughs> but organi- yeah, But the organizations that are there have different goals, right? They want to kind of round you out, right? You're not just an engineer, you're a person, right? And so exposure to other things besides your major discipline is important in terms of the organizational goals. So that's where there could be like a disconnect, but there shouldn't be.
0: And that can be potentially fostered through the use of adaptive learning principles systems rules that you can then build combine both context interests and needs together through exercises and and opportunity as you as you talked about
2: Um, a lot of our clients have folks who have to develop soft soft skills specifically around conversation and so I know you were saying you mentioned soft skills before and deliberate practice and the, the ideal benefit of one-to-one coaching. Um, but in a lot of cases where you have so many people who have the charge to go and speak to the customer but in a very specific way in terms of what they're listening for and what they can and cannot say – do you find that soft skills are easier to teach or hard skills are easier? And if someone was looking to use adaptive learning to foster conversation related skills, what's what's the best approach for something like that?
1: Wow, yeah, so there so there are a group of uh, adaptive instructional systems that are a category that uh, are you know conversational agents, right? And so um, you know these are, uh, things like auto tutor are based on conversational agents, and uh, it would be relatively easy to, you know, to have an interaction with a virtual tutor or a peer in the context of uh, a uh, you know an auto tutor uh, course, and to you know you know maybe pretend you're at dinner right, and you're okay. It's time to make small talk, and so make small talk. Um, you know, and then this is what you know about the you know the, the client on the other side of the table, right um, and or maybe this is how you learn more about that particular client. And so I think just you know sometimes jumping in and doing is better than you know having a whole bunch of rules to you know that uh, may bind you in terms of or limit you in, in terms of your, you know how you build that expertise over time, you know, get a few rules in there, you know, Hey, these, these are the basics and then let them apply those. And then, uh, you know, and then maybe you increase the complexity of the rules uh, or increase the flexibility of the model in terms of how it's assessed uh, to go into more, more and more difficult kinds of scenarios where they can interact. I would just I, I would say that uh, you know most people, you know and it's it's not just you know, it's not just me or you. I would say most people are more effective when they can apply their knowledge.
2: And like you mentioned before, where they're willing to ask more questions to a system than a person, having that adaptive system would give them some place a safe place to practice and make mistakes without real consequences.
0: So, Bob, I've walked away with a few really key takeaways um, today. And I was wondering, you know, if I could just take a moment to summarize that and give you a chance to add anything in. You know, when we talk about adaptive learning or adaptive instruction, what we're talking about fundamentally is um, the ability to accommodate differences in learnings to increase the probability. And the opportunity for the learner to gain from that learning, transfer it in into whatever situation it needs to. That was the first thing I t- I, I kind of took away there. And then from there, the way in which you do that—that's where we get into differences in terms of you know pedagogical approaches. For like you made the uh, you know the analogy to tutor, right? The real tutor versus um, computer systems and technology tools, where we started to talk about things like assessments and onboarding and and scenarios that are based on rules or some kind of input criteria and output direction. I'm wondering at the end of the day, even if you're a novice learning designer, an experienced designer of learning, what is maybe, a couple of the the things that you could start doing now, to start to experiment with adaptive learning, build it into your learning programs, with some specific impact that you're after.
1: Sure. So adaptive systems are primarily data driven kinds of systems, right? They're they're looking for something a behavior, then it's quantified in some way or categorized or classified, and uh, then it uses that to make decisions, right? And uh, so if, you know, if the data is poorly represented, if there's not enough of it, sometimes um, it, it's important to understand, the you know, how complex do you want to get? And if you want to start with something relatively easy to do to build some adaptability into your, into your learning, you know, organizational learning systems, one of the things that I would do is... Uh, I would tag data and tag content, right? So this is relatively easy, it's, it's kind of tedious, but uh, smart computer science people now have uh, figured out how to write scripts to tag data, different kinds of data. Right? And then that data can easily be sorted when you're looking for, hey, I wanna ask a medium difficulty question in this domain. Right? So, so you don't have to be like uh, you know super instructional designer genius to to be able to do that. Uh, It's it's really kind of a simple thing to be able to do. And then um, you know, and then the other thing is you know start with pretty well defined domains that have maybe had lots of uh, I call density, right? Lots of people who've taken a particular course or topic. Uh, then you can start to build rules, right? You don't, obviously don't want to build rules because they're inflexible uh, if you don't really understand what the domain is and what you should do when the student's having a particular uh, challenge, right? Um, whether it's emotions or it's something else. And so... Um, Yeah, it's it's important to be able to like start with simple things. I start with, you know, rule-based stuff, very well-defined. Hey, I understand how math works, right? And so if I'm teaching somebody how to add and subtract and multiply and divide, there's a set of rules that have been gone over and over and over again. If it's something more complex than that, maybe you're in a decision tree And then if you're even more complex than that and you want something that's relatively flexible and maybe reinforces itself, right, improves itself over time, then maybe it's a Markov model or something like that, right? And so um, the expertise required to implement those things goes up. Um, But, um, you know, again automation might be another big piece of uh you know being able to implement these systems and have them you know be practical and affordable Uh, right now they're generally built by lots of uh, high-paid people that require lots of time to design and build and test them and uh you know Buying a commercial off-the-shelf product might be good if it fits well with your your, your your organizational learning goals, right? It doesn't mean you have to build it, right? It's that constant corporate decision, make or buy.
0: I really liked how you began this, con- this part of the conversation by really beginning with your data. And I think that's a really great place for everyone to really lean in on because it is the one thing that at the end of the day, we all are driven by within our organizations to some degree or another. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to think about what what success looks like, whether it be through a capability model or it be a decision tree model, like you said, a rules can you get through this, you know, mock scenario and make the right decisions along the way kind of thing. Um, and, uh, data is a really accessible place for us.
2: So I appreciate that. Bob, I... I wondered, you you know, earlier you mentioned trying things out, right? Doing a pilot test, seeing how things work. Once um, a person or a team has gotten through that pilot phase and they're ready to grow and and expand their use of adaptive learning, what do they need to keep in mind in terms of the data they would need, the kinds of goals that are reasonable, what kind of cost or time it would take to really be able to scale that?
1: Yeah, so when you're thinking about designing these systems, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, data availability is a big is a big deal. How are you know How are you going to source that data? Um, how does that data move in in your system? Right? Is it edge processed, where you know everything's kind of uh, hey the data gets generated locally and it gets processed locally and then it's it's stored locally, right? Or is it more cloud based on the other end of the spectrum where things are moving around? How does it get protected while it's moving around? Cause there's lots of uh, current laws and lots of evolving laws about uh, how to protect uh, the, you know, uh, and use learner data, how you can use it, right? Um, and how long you can use it. And it limits you also, right? And, uh, and who owns it? So that's a big consideration. Um, So, you know, the less data you need in order to make decisions, right? So, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't design a rocket ship to go down to the, you know, the corner grocery store. I design what I, you know, design it for what I need. So both data availability and protection are important. Um, I think it's also important because, again, you're going read and you're looking for reference implementations and maybe you've done a study. But understanding, you know, the maturity level of the technology or technologies that you're looking at, um, you know, so you understand that, that there's a difference between state of art and state of practice, right? So, you know, hey, something that's state of art, hey, I, you know, some university people are doing this, blah 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 blah. You might decide it's worth the risk for you to use that because it's, you know, it's low cost or it's free. I think implementation is easy or whatever the reason is, but there's some, you know, there's some monetary thing, right? Or, or, you know, that's driving you uh, to use that. Or you might decide, hey, that that's not worth uh, doing. So understanding maturity is, uh, of the technology is important. And then, uh, you know, the other thing that I uh, like, I, yeah, I mean, I work for an AI company, um, yeah. I'm biased by that, uh, um, admittedly. Um, and there's a reason that I kind of self-selected to be at the company that I'm at. Uh, and that's, you know, automation, right? These systems are super complex. Like I said before, they're, you know, they're built by interdisciplinary teams, that, you know, tons of, you know, you know, people who have, you know, highfalutin degrees and and uh, you know, they get paid a lot of money. And it takes a lot of time to build these and they're kind of handcrafted things, right? And uh, you wanna be able to reduce some of that cost. And so I would say if you're gonna engage with people to build, build systems, make sure you're thinking about what the, you know, all the end users, right? It's not just the learner. It's also the instructional designer you know, it's the, you know, the data analysis person, it's the, you know, it's the research psychologist, psychologist is maybe a human factors person. And that, those things are important to understand, hey, how can you make their job easier? So the cost of, you know, the total cost of that system, the maintenance of it, the future development of courses is less
0: so in the spirit, Bob, of rules which, and data, which we, we've talked a lot about being a, a really key um, principle behind being able to adapt learning to meet people's individual differences and needs, in the spirit of that, what would you say might be the three ifs that you would want to ask yourself that would um, point you to adaptive learning as a strategy to explore? So for example, like if you are looking to X.
1: Okay, so I would say, you know, to me, you know, there's always a business case, right? As well as an effectiveness or impact uh, that's uh, associated with, you know, any kind of technology that you're gonna implement or use or buy. And um, so I think the return on investment ought to be considered about what you're going to, what you expect to get out of that system, right? And, uh, you know, go back to the analogy of, hey, I don't build a rocket ship to go to the corner grocery store because a bicycle will probably do or, or you know, a car. Um, and so think about what you're trying to get out of it. Um, think about the system capabilities that'll be there at the end. And then more importantly, think about how learners are going to access those systems, Um, how you might scale the system, right? Hey, I've got, you know, built this thing, it's organizational learning for this one division. And now, you know, you have a kind of global company, you know, with you know, 20 divisions all over the place and you want to expand to that. Is that, is what you're proposing going to be easy to scale? Um, Is it based on, you know, current technology and, uh, you know, is it extensible in terms of uh, domains, right? Does it fit, um, you know, lots of what's out there now is, you know, strictly cognitive kinds of, Uh, instruction, right? It's uh, problem solving or, um, you know, maybe some decision-making or something, you know, along those lines or maybe just some analysis of, Hey, there's, there's this thing out there and how do I optimize the outcome? And uh, so if you want to expand into team domains, that's a complexity. Right, because teams are a lot harder to model than learners, so there's going to be a lot more inaccuracies. Right? Um, physical tasks are harder to uh, analyze than cognitive tasks, right? Because you know everything and what's going on in a in a. Uh, you know, in a cognitive task, you don't know their thoughts, but you can see all their behaviors and all their interactions. And that might be more difficult to capture in a physical task where they're outside the system, right, so to speak. So sensors might have a bigger play there. Um, And then lastly, I would say, you know, think about you know, what your needs are today. And, you know, cause there's certainly going to be different five years and 10 years down the road. And so, you know, if you can, you know, spend a little bit of time planning up front, I think it's worth it in terms of the implementation to consider how the system will grow. It'll also help you with budget, right? you will be able to produce a roadmap that now you can brief to, you know, the, the corporate management, and they can make decisions about that investment and what the return is.
0: Bob, it has been an absolute pleasure. I've so enjoyed this conversation with you. Um, every time I talk to you, I learn something more and, um, and take it forward within my own learning design, within my own strategies and ways of thinking in terms of adaptive learning. So absolute pleasure. And uh, thank you for spending the time with us today. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Your Brain On. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Krista Gerhard. And I'm Karen Foster. And we'll see you next time.